Hey team, welcome to Rewriting Wellbeing, the teacher's health podcast, the show that helps you thrive and not just survive both in and out the classroom. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. You are joined as always by me, your host, Charlie Burley, the teacher's health coach. And today I've got another Teacher Talks episode for you. Today I'm joined by Annabelle Jeffcoat, the teacher work-life balance coach. Annabelle helps primary teachers to reduce anxiety and switch off through work-life balance coaching. She supports them in setting and sticking to boundaries, stopping overthinking, reducing overwhelm and ultimately avoiding teacher burnout. This was a really interesting conversation with Annabelle and I came away from it with a new perspective on many areas of life-work balance, such as setting guidelines instead of boundaries and how to manage our workload more effectively. I think you're going to find this one really, really useful. So without further ado, here is Winning with Workload and Wellbeing with Annabelle Jeffcote. Annabelle, hello, welcome to the podcast. Hello, lovely to be here. How are you? I'm really, really well, thank you. How are yourself? It's good. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Ticking along. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. Really excited for today, though. Really excited for our chat. Yeah, likewise. Um, I've, it's been a challenge getting us together, hasn't it? Yeah. Like, the universe, <laughs> when there's something that you really want or something that's going to matter, there's mm. always hurdles. So as soon as we had our hurdles, I was like, this call has to happen there's going to be a magic moment I don't know what it's going to be I'm yeah. probably like bringing everyone's expectations up now it's we've got to live up phenomenal. to it we've got to do it we've got to do it no it's going to be great it really really is and I completely agree this is it's an important important episode um, and I already know just from what you do and everything I've seen and your testimonials I see you share the amazing work you do I already know that this episode is going to be full of little golden nuggets for people so I'm excited really excited and to kick us off can you sort of tell me or tell us a little bit more about you you know who you are what you do how you help people and your journey from where you began to to where you are now yeah sure so um my name's Annabelle I'm a teacher's work-life balance coach so I help teachers to reduce anxiety and switch off through work-life balance coaching and it was a bit of an adventure getting here to be honest um I was that what we say a star student at school like to get the top of the grades, do the best, perfectionist style. Mm. Um, I didn't want to get anything wrong. I hated getting in trouble. Um, and by the time I got to the age of 21, I burnt out and um, wow. crashed. I started to have disassociative seizures. So my body became so stressed out that it was just shut down. So if there was bright lights, loud noises, uh, my body would start shaking, I'd faint. And it looked like an epileptic seizure. It wasn't though, because I was just having so many of them during the day. I kept getting hospitalized and eventually went to what I can only call as a big brother house um, where they filmed me 24 seven for six weeks. And I felt trapped. Like I lost my job. I had to go on sick leave. So many teachers can probably relate to that where they've had to have time off. Mm. Um, and it feels frustrating and irritating because you just want to do what you know you want to do, but your body's saying no. And I couldn't understand it. I was still young. I wanted to go out, wanted to do things. I spent my 21st birthday in hospital. I, oh. I It didn't make any sense to me. Um, and then at the end of these six weeks, these doctors turned around to me and said, um, there's nothing we can do for you. Um, it's all in your head. I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> and these were like the best in like the country in terms of, of what's going on. They said, no, it's, it's all in your head. Like it's just stress. 
And I'm sure people can relate on here when someone turns around to you and goes, it's just stress, just relax. Mm. It's, it's the most frustrating <laughs> thing ever. Um, so I walked out of this house place that was there, um, walked out and I was fuming. Like mm. I was so, so angry. It was unbelievable. Um, and I thought if no one's going to help me, I'm going to have to help me. And it was kind of like um, an epiphany moment where you stand there and you just think, I'm going to have to do this myself. So it took me 10 years to get from burnout to balance. Um, I managed to stop my seizures. And to do that, I had to understand the mind. I had to work through a lot of stuff. So once the seizures stopped, I actually started to cry again. So while I was having seizures, I, my body didn't have even have the energy to cry. Like wow. I couldn't cry. I didn't, um, I, I just, I was existing and not living. Mm. Um, and I'd go through that feeling a little bit better. Then I feel worse again. Then I feel a little bit better. And I thought, is this life? Is this it? Mm. Right. Is this what I'm going to have to do for the rest of my life? Um, so I went through different, so I met a holistic coach, which is what I am now, who worked through the whole of that thought pattern with me, worked with her for a year and ended up stopping my seizures, then became qualified as a coach, studied nutrition, went into nutritional therapy. Um, and to be honest, I often get the question where people ask me, you know, but why teachers? Mm. Like, why did you go for teachers? And part of it was because of my purpose. And for me, when I went through all of that, I thought, I don't want anyone else to ever experience stress-related illness because it's horrendous. I wouldn't even wish it on my worst enemy. Like, um, yeah. and I, you know, I kind of look back at it and I think it took, that's 10, that's a decade of my life it took to heal. And most of my teenage life, I was slowly but surely crashing into severe depression. So what if I could actually stop that happening? Now, for me, I was thinking, well, you can't really work with children because they're not there yet, right? They're not going to understand the concept. Mm. Like I look back at my life and I think if I had a child, could I actually explain it to them? Like, could I actually interpret to them what burnout is or, you know, how would I actually explain it to them when they haven't experienced it? And then I thought, well, you know, how do I influence that? And after lockdown, I was just watching everyone through lockdown, you know, just sitting there and thinking, where do I want to go next? I closed my first company down because I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. And I could see all these teachers calling out saying, you know, I'm burnt out. I can't do this. And I was just watching all of these people have the same responses that I had all those years ago. Mm. And I sat back and think, but I know the answer. Like I was just sitting in, and, and I, I remember Christmas in lockdown laying in my bed. I was laying in my bed and I just thought, I need an acronym. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, <laughs> I need an acronym. So I was laying in my bed and I was like, I really need an acronym to explain. Because when I look back, everything I'd done to recover was actually quite simple. It wasn't complicated. I'd studied the science. I'd studied the, the woo, as we like to call it, the, the bigger universe, like expanding your mind and thinking about hope and all this other stuff. I was like, how do I actually put that in a concept for someone who's busy? Because it took me so long because I was so busy that I had to kind of cram it in and, and I wasn't really doing what I needed to do. So I lay back and I was thinking, I'm not getting out of bed until I figured out this acronym. And that's how <laughs> balance was born. And I still hadn't decided to work with teachers yet. I just was sat there thinking, okay, um, how can I communicate this in a way that works very quickly for someone who needs it in the moment? And then I was watching and seeing all these teachers and I thought, well, let's just open the door and see if I can help. And I started to share the balance strategy. 
and it started working and teachers were starting to calm down their anxiety was starting to go down I was thinking oh my gosh this could work like this could actually help um, so I continue to share it and I still share it for free on a five-day challenge and it gets out there and even when people don't directly work with me the ripple effect is phenomenal mm. where people are sort of going oh have you heard the balance strategy like you can use this and you know this is how it works very very simple um Love and that. I sat back one day and realized that they're all the same as me <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to all these teachers and I was like my personality and everything is really really similar that's so mm. odd um, and then I realized my dad's a teacher and I grew up in a teacher's household yeah. and all of the traits of a teacher, subconscious traits of a teacher had fed off onto me. So the perfectionist trait, the constant rewriting of like the curriculum and all this work <laughs> that I would see him do. And I'd see my dad in his office working after work and, you know, doing all this stuff. And, and I thought that's the way things should be done. Like you should be mm. doing it that way. And it was the way in which I perceived it. My dad never told me to, they never pushed me in any way like that. He was a phenomenal teacher, but his subconscious behaviors were what I picked up. I used yeah. to sit in his classroom when he was teaching. And um, so I would like after school, like go and meet him, sit in his car and I'd watch him teaching. I'd watch him work and do other stuff. And it meant that I could teach. So I learned how to teach as well in and how to actually communicate things well. So I learned an incredible skills from him, but I also picked up all the shadow side, like the shaming myself and guilting myself and the overthinking and all this sort of stuff that, that he was coming off of him and that I started to learn in my mannerisms. And then it went back to my purpose. And my purpose was to prevent stress-related illness for the next generation. Like mm. I don't want the next generation to feel that way. And teachers are stood in front of so many children in their careers and have such a massive impact on them. I could not only help these teachers who are going through all this stuff right now, whether they decided to stay in teaching or not doesn't matter. They're a human and they matter. Mm. So just to be able to support them to manage their behaviors in order to help them to reduce anxiety and switch off actually impacts every child, not only at school, but every child that they have in their family. Yeah. And I just think for me, that's a legacy. For me, that is something that's important for me to be able to know that if I had to go through 10 years of that in order to be able to do this, then I'd mm. do it again. Yeah. Because it was worth it. Um, so for me, that's, I mean, that's a bit of a long story, but that's how Balance for Teachers arrived. It was just following flow, following instinct and just taking what my experience was and realizing that even though I don't work in schools as a teacher's child, actually, I am the person that I want to help. Yeah. In that respect. Wow. Such an amazing story. Such an incredible story. I talk to teachers quite often, actually, like in our consultation calls and things about um, them, their sort of ripple effect, as you said, and them being a role model and something that does, you know, if, if a pet, if a teacher does have, their own family at home, their own children at home, or even if, you know, obviously they have a class is, you know, one of the same, that ripple effect of how they treat themselves and their, you know, their mental health, their stress management, their sort of managing themselves that goes into either their children at home quite, quite a lot, obviously spend a lot of time together. And often teachers are quite sort of concerned about the impact that maybe 
their behaviors are having on their children but also as you said the sort of children in school as well and I think everyone listening is you know if you do have your own children or you're you're thinking about your class right now I think we can all resonate and, and connect with the fact that we know that we are role models and I think some that that can be quite scary like you know with your dad and everything that that impact can be quite a lot can't it you know obviously you have made that into a huge positive and you're having a massive massively positive impact on the world through that experience but I think I think as a teacher that can be quite daunting of all actually what I do and say goes into all these little sponges around me sort of thing but yeah like I say you've turned that adversity and everything you went through was sort of you know late teens into all the way through your 20s sort of sounds like you know all of that challenge you're turning into something so positive which is incredible absolutely amazing and and like I said at the start like your testimonials and stuff are just fantastic like I I can't remember I saw one won't go into obviously because I'm you know um but I saw one it was something about someone had referred a friend who was having you know thoughts of ending their life I think that was a recent one and then that you know that was completely changed that's just incredible like absolutely incredible so what you do works the work you do works and it is very very important so thank you for sharing that story that's amazing really really cool and so let's get into it let's get into the nuts and bolts of what you do and do you think we can sort of um talk about the the whole balance strategy the balance model to kick us off I was gonna ask about barriers but actually you mentioned it I think that's quite a good place to start can you tell us a little bit more about about balance yeah so the balance strategy is how to calm yourself very very quickly it takes practice at first just to be able to understand the process but ultimately like nowadays I do it in about 30 seconds it's just straight yes. away you can check in with yourself um, and you're Charlie you're probably familiar with quite a few of these concepts but the first step is just to breathe mm-hmm. so if you want to trigger your parasympathetic nervous system if you want to calm the body back down you need to get out of your reaction mode. So your limbic system in your brain takes only nine seconds to trigger. Now you're going to be irrational, right? The mm. responses that you have of coming from that monkey brain, if anyone's read the uh, chimp paradox and, you know, it's the, that reaction mode is a safety mechanism. It's not a bad thing though, mm. right? There's, there's no bad element to it. It's a survival instinct, which means it's not logical. It just needs you to survive. So whatever experience you've had up to date may have caused the trigger and therefore you are then going to respond or react rather in any way that your body or mind deems appropriate in that moment, Mm. even if it's not appropriate. (laughs) When you're thinking later, you think, why did I do that? In the moment, it felt relevant, right? And so to breathe in any moment where you feel your body react or your mind, you start to overthink something or stress out over something, just breathing. And I know a lot of this is in primary schools now, which is phenomenal, such as box breathing mm-hmm. um, being able to breathe around your hands. So just drawing around your hand, breathing in, breathing out. So many teachers now teach it, but yeah. don't necessarily do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a very simple thing to do whether you just breathe. Right. Once you've taken a breath, you can then get awareness to listen to yourself right so it's the next two letters get awareness to listen to yourself now your body and mind are telling you that something's wrong now it might not be in the literal realm and what I mean by that is the literal realm is like I want a car right and I went through this process I'm like I really want a car I think I'm not interested in cars 
okay, <laughs> at all, right? If you if, if a car was parked and say, well, what car is that? I go, it's a blue one. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no idea, right? So the other day I, I had to um, call on my dad because I was like, dad, there's an alarm going on for my car and I have no idea how to put, well, like I've Googled it and I know what it is, but how do I actually do this? Mm. So I have to, I'm learning as I go. I have no idea. I really wanted a car. So I asked myself, what does that car actually mean to me? Like, what is the car? And it's independence. What I actually want is independence. And that I can do without a car, right? So we have our literal realm as the things we see, but underneath is what it means to us. So someone might have made a passing comment with no intention or anything like that. And you felt yourself react. And you're thinking, why am I reacting? And this is very similar to the testimonial you read. It was a lady that really wanted to buy a house. She wanted to have all of this stuff, but she was nowhere near. She was working all the hours God sends to try and earn more money. And we, I checked in with her and I said, but what if you could have what that means now? And then she realized she could. And suddenly it all came back and she had control again. Yeah. So taking a breath will take you out of reaction and then Getting awareness to listen to yourself allows you to go, well, what really is going on for me? Then you can align your next step. Okay, so you're looking at them going, okay, so this is how I feel. This is what I want. Or this is what's bothering me. How can I support myself? What do I actually need in this moment? And some things will come to you straight away. And some things you're just going to need a little bit of space to be able to think, okay, what is it that I actually need? And I had a teacher recently say, you know, I feel really wired in the restaurant. I'm like, what do you need? She had space. She knew exactly what she needed. Mm. She just needed some space, got some space. And she's like, I feel calmer now. So that's, that's all your body needed. And then when you do that, you want to cheer yourself. We all know about positive reinforcement and understanding that you create this dopamine cycle. You start to learn and feel good about things. And so by cheering yourself and noticing yourself, one of our core values at Balance for Teachers is for everyone to be seen and heard. So not, you know, anyone that messages us, anything we see, we want to make make sure people feel seen and heard, our staff, you know, myself. If I don't feel seen and heard, how can I possibly see and hear anyone else? So when you cheer yourself, it doesn't have to be a massive thing. It could be if you worked really hard, but I've had one um, teaching assistant that I work with, she used to do jazz hands. Mm. so as soon as she did she just like did jazz hands she messed me going, I did jazz hands today and I'm like great right but her inner child was like this is so much fun <laughs> like mm. I love this so I think it doesn't matter it could be that I have another teacher that goes for a brew like she's like I just need a brew right but I can just enjoy that just enjoy it just a little bit of moment in myself just enjoy it it feels good for her others like going to art events uh calling a friend and some people like buying stuff sure but it doesn't have to be that Mm. Um, and then the E is just to evolve, right? Allow yourself to actually evolve over time. So it's not going to be a sudden fix. It's about going like, this is what I want. This is what I need, applying it and then living your life, knowing that you're going to continuously grow by listening and putting yourself first. And I just want to revisit what we said at the beginning, Charlie, like in terms of when you're a teacher, an adult in general, and you have this kind of responsibility over children and what they see. You have no control over that. Like Mm. for me as a child, I've got siblings. They didn't turn out the same way, 
right? Mm -hmm. You cannot control a child's perspective. A child will just pick up what they pick up. Mm. And it's going to be dependent on all the different things they've experienced, not just what they've experienced there and then. We can be present for them and we can hear and notice if they're struggling and we can ask them if they're okay. But ultimately what we need to do for children is allow them to notice themselves. Mm. And the way they do that is by you putting yourself first. Yeah. And for me, when people go, oh, yeah, but isn't it selfish? Selfish just means to put yourself first, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Like being selfish is only a bad thing if that's what it means to you. But allowing yourself to put yourself first or notice your achievements rather than having external validation all the time. Like instead of a child, uh, and a lot of this is disappearing now, which is fabulous. But instead of a child bringing a painting home and us going, oh, let me put that on the fridge. Let me just display that and make it look phenomenal and brilliant and excellent. And like cheer them and say, this is brilliant. Eventually when they become a teenager, we stop doing it even yeah. earlier than that, really. Yeah. But when did we teach them to do it for themselves? Like, when did we actually go, what do you think of the painting? Do you like it? And actually by flipping that, you've actually given them the tools to be able to look after themselves. It's not that they're never going to be hurt. Of course, they're going to get hurt. They need to know how to get over hurt. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of our generation struggle is we didn't actually learn again it goes back to all, all the like getting the grades and you know doing exams doing the, I was great at tests phenomenal <laughs> tests like nailed them every time right but when it came to the real world there was no tests I was like what am I aiming for yeah no one actually taught me about having a purpose or showing up in a way that I want to show up it was just like well what's my worth if I can't get an A yeah and I think yeah, I just wanted to tap back into that because I don't, I don't want teachers to walk away from this podcast thinking, oh my gosh, right? You know, what am I going to have this impact on these kids? Yeah. And like, it's not about that. You can't control that impact. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is look after yourself and they'll inherit that. I had one teacher who wanted to change school. She was really struggling with a bit of a toxic environment. I coached her through transitioning from one school to the next. She's in a dream job now. She messaged me a year later and said, I still can't thank you enough. I was like, bless you. I didn't do anything. I was just yeah. shining a light. That's all I do. And um, she's got her dream job now. And she said, it's, it's been amazing, not just because she's moved and she's found she's happier, but because in her classroom, she works with special needs children or more challenging children, actually, in one of the specialist schools. And one of the kids just walked up to her one day and said, uh, Miss, um, I'm feeling very angry today can I just go and sit in the quiet corner for a bit and then I'll do my reading? And she was like, okay. And the child went off, calmed herself down, went over, did her reading. This is a child that kicks off all the time, right? Mm -hmm. All the time, went on, got on with it, no fuss whatsoever. And she went, she did that because every morning I walk into the class and I let them know how I feel. Mm. I walk into the class and I go, right guys, having a bit of a tough day today, shall we work together? Or feeling great today, let's do this. And it worked for her just by communicating what her balance was. Mm. She actually managed to make agreements within her class as well. And they copied. Mm. So I think I I just wanted to tap back into that so that people know you can't, because we we love to control. Mm. There is no control there. You can't. All you can do is look after yourself and inspire others to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. 
And there's, there's no better impact than that, right? Inspiring others. That's, yeah, amazing. So when it comes to teachers and their boundaries or, or, or generally barriers to their health and well-being, what do you feel are some of the biggest things that do crop up, you know, with their work-life balance? What sort of, what do they struggle with in terms of putting boundaries in place or what other barriers, like I say, crop up? What do you see sort of day to day? In terms of boundaries, I think it's more of a misunderstanding of what boundaries are. It goes back to what things mean to us. Mm -hmm. So boundaries, people tend to think of them as like a fence, right? I'm going to protect myself with this fence, whether Mm -hmm. we mean that or not. So they're like, oh, someone crossed my boundaries, like a really bad thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and I, I sometimes come back to teachers or clients that I'm working with and just go, do you actually know your boundary? Mm. Do you actually know what your boundaries are? You have them. You have them every day. You already have, they have, oh, I hear, I don't have any boundaries. Well, that's not hundred percent true. Is it <laughs> like yeah. you have boundaries, but what you're saying is you don't necessarily have boundaries at work or you've come across something you don't like. So I like to refer to boundaries as guidelines, Right. So rather than calling them boundaries, think of them as guidelines. They're guidelines in order to support yourself, not protect yourself from the world. Mm, and what, what I tend to find is that the biggest ones I have is like staying till late, like working till midnight and uh, not getting enough sleep, getting up in the morning at like five o'clock in the morning, try to get to school by seven, leaving late. Um, that's kind of the biggest one, not having lunch breaks or breaks in general throughout the day. Mm. Um, what other ones have we had quite regularly weekend working Mm, big one Mm, huge huge one of you know working 60 70 plus hour weeks I've had one teacher that did my 12-week program with me and um she at the start of it she's a numbers person she loves numbers right I didn't even know she'd done this but she just loves numbers (laughs) there's a story under a story about that but I won't go into that today so um there's this she came to me I didn't know anything about it And I interviewed her at the end to see, you know, what was the process like for you? And she said, well, when I started, I was working 60 hours a week. By the end of the 12 weeks, I dropped 20 hours a week and I feel less stressed. I've done more work. And I was like, that's incredible. I I didn't ask her to record the stats or anything. I was like, that's phenomenal. And all she did was build guidelines around like when she started, when she finished, to actually have her breaks when she was doing things and the biggest one I've had teachers do is like put alarms on at the end of the day Mm. kind of know when they're leaving but also to know when they're going to allocate stuff so rather so it's the whole thing of letting go I hear a lot of teachers and ditto I did the same go I'll just do one more thing yeah (laughs) absolutely and then I'll stop right yeah but we're looking for that dopamine fix we're looking for that feel good when we cross something out Mm -hmm. it's never going to end because teaching is a fluid life is a fluid process there's always going to be something to do you're going to need to have a guideline of what point do you say no at what Mm -hmm. point do you say okay that's the end of my day I'm now going to um allocate what's left to another time Mm -hmm. because it can wait now is time for my life yeah so I think the biggest ones that I've had are you know when I start work when I finish work um my when I have my lunch breaks um getting enough sleep 
is a big one as well. Like actually going to bed at a certain time tends to come up. Um, when workloads coming a certain way, like how to say no to things mm. that come in their way. So for me, boundaries are guidelines. And the only way you know you don't like something is when you've lived it. Mm. So we often go, oh, I crossed my boundary. Well, did you even know that was a boundary? And if you did, were you sticking to it? Mm. Because we teach people how to treat us. So if you've told everyone, well, I'm going to leave work at, at 5.30, but then you go, oh, I'm just going to do one more thing. And yeah. you don't leave till seven. Then you've just taught everyone that your guideline is just words. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no actual reality behind it. It's just words. Um, if you're like, oh, I wish people would stop asking me to do stuff, stop saying yes, because you've taught them you are going to say yes. Um, so we need to take our power back in a way. And instead of looking out externally and saying, oh, why do they keep crossing my boundaries? Ask yourself, do you know your boundaries clearly? Have you communicated your boundaries clearly? And are you sticking to them? Mm-hmm. because if you are not then it's not really down to the other person because you're teaching them subconsciously it's okay to cross the boundary yeah um so for me boundaries are guidelines those guidelines are the same as if someone said oh, have you ever tried this food before and you're like no i haven't well how do you know if you like it or not yeah you don't know so it's not until someone goes oh could you do this extra project for me and you do it and go, oh, I'm not doing that again. Mm. You now know a new guideline. Right? Yeah. That doesn't make me feel good. Right. So you're always going to shift and change depending on what serves you. So every behavior for anyone listening today, every behavior you have is necessary. Every behavior you experience is necessary because it serves you or it has served you. Right. My perfectionism served me. It got me good grades. It got me to a position where I was able to go out into the world. And don't get me wrong, I'm smart. I can handle myself. I can go about the world. You know, I got a lot from school. Unfortunately, what held me back was that inner critic, that Mm. part of me that never learned that extra step. But guess what? I eventually learned it because I didn't have it. Mm. So if you're experiencing burnout, great. You now know what not to do. Yeah, you got feedback. Yeah, right. It's not a bad thing. Like you haven't failed. You can't fail. You just learn. Yeah. That's it. And that's that's what we tell the children every single day, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we all go about getting we're great at giving others advice. And that's a good hack. If you're in your own mind and you you try you're trying to switch off and you're in your own mind, think about what advice would I give someone else? Um, Because as I was mentioning earlier, and it's probably similar to yourself, Charlie, we don't actually answer you as coach. We don't give the answers as coaches. That's not our job. Mm. We can't give the answers because we don't know your answers. All we do is shine a light and help you see what you already know, but you were too busy to listen. Mm. And then once you start to be able to hear yourself, I watched some of the accelerators, uh, which is one of our programs, Discover Life Outside Work Accelerator. And um, I watched them like a year later. And there's hardly anything for me to say. <laughs> I can't even shine the light because they're so good at listening to themselves now. Sure, yeah. the journey doesn't end. You're still going to have things come up. You're going to grow a little bit more. You're going to not be able to see certain things. 
and ditto I have the same like I have a, a coach myself I need to check in and make sure that I haven't sort of got in my own way again mm. because we all do it we're human and all those behaviors that we have they're serving us so if I've got in my own way I've got in my own way because I'm trying to help support myself but I'm in reaction so mm. going back to what we said earlier it's not logical it's not logical but maybe when we were a kid it helped us so yeah okay it might not be logical to cry all the time but when I was a kid people gave me attention for that so mm. what if I could just give myself attention then I won't need to feel like I need to cry all the time I can actually have a good cry feel better and carry on yeah um so it's taking your own power back but appreciating that you are exactly where you are meant to be right now mm. Very powerful, very powerful. I love it. So many nuggets of gold just in that five minutes there. It's amazing. No, thank you. You, you sort of mentioned there about, um, you, I think you said about teacher guilt um, and you mentioned about saying no and things. And that's something I hear an awful lot. Um, and it can, it feels so difficult for us sometimes to say no. And I know, you know, I've had the conversation with a lot of people, it's, it's partly linked to sort of maybe self-worth, self-esteem. Those can be potential barriers with that. But why do you feel that saying no is so difficult for teachers? Because, again, lots of jobs in the public sector, those jobs where people really, really care. For a lot of them, it's a passion. You know, lots of people in those professions find it difficult to say no, you know, from conversations I've had. But why do you feel it's the case that no is such a hard word to say? And what can we do to maybe say a bit more or say it in a different way? Um, I think initially we want to change the way we think of it because if you, we always go oh I never say no is that 100% mm. true though right because we do we do say no to things but there are certain things we don't say no to so it's understanding what is it that you genuinely don't say no to now it could be that you've been so busy you've not actually thought about it so someone's gone oh could you do this and you've gone yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. just add it to the pile add it to the pile just add it to, like or someone sent an email and you've just like you put it down and you just keep adding right? And we've not actually paused to go, does this work for me? Like we've not actually implemented balance and gone, okay, does that work for me? Is it going to fit or is it not going to fit? Yeah. We've just accepted it. So in a way, yes, I agree. I won't go back over because I'm sure you've covered many a times. A lot of people talk about knowing about self-worth. Sure. Mm. Right. Self-worth in itself is quite a complex. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big one. Self <laughs> Uh, yeah, self-worth, we're always working on that. But in terms of saying no, for me, it was an epiphany I had listening to a podcast, I can't remember which one it was. Um, and they were talking about, this woman was saying about how she struggled to say no. And the way she was saying it, I thought to myself, it's so fixed. Like a lot of teachers are very good problem solvers. Like, mm. I love solving problems, right? It gives me a bit of a high to solve a problem. And when someone says to you, oh, can you do that? And we go, no, sure. There are elements of people pleasing in there. There's elements of self-worth and all the rest of it. But let's not dive and get too deep and dark. Right? <laughs> in the like literal realm, either maybe you're too busy and you haven't stopped to think about it. Or we don't often talk about energy in conversation. So with energy in conversation, if someone said, oh, can you do this for me? And you go, no. It kind of sticks with you. Mm. and you're waiting to find out what that feedback is and you're yeah. kind of going oh, and you've lost your power 
because the no doesn't go anywhere right there's no problem solved it's there's still a problem does that make sense so yeah, someone yeah. said oh these I don't know this data needs completing and you've gone no I can't do it the data still needs completing right? mm, it's just lingering <laughs> between you yes. two yeah and you're like um I don't know what to do about this uh and this energy is kind of in the air and if you're someone that's a doer and you can you like getting things done and ticking that to-do list you're just going to grab it mm. right because that's your subconscious behavior so what I would do is implement balance like take a moment before saying yes to things to see if you can actually do it or not or you want to right mm. and whether it's actually part of your requirement of your job role or whether you've added it. I had that with a teaching assistant I was working with. I said, okay, let's just pause for a second. What is your actual job role? Let me know. And she went through her specific job role. And I said, those things you get paid to do, right? Anything on top you are choosing to do. What are you choosing to do that you'd like to let go of? And she messaged me like a few, like a couple of weeks later. And she went, I'm getting rid of my work trolley. I don't need to take it home anymore. Right? <laughs> because there was so many things like she was doing every display board in the school. She was only right. assigned to one teacher. Yeah. But she was doing it all because she was like, oh, I'm getting attention for this. Like, everyone loves like that. I'm really good at doing these display boards. Yeah, they do. But do you want to go home every night and be cutting out paper and whatever? Sure. Mm -hmm. If you enjoy it, great. But do you want to be doing it with the pressure? Yeah. So what we're looking at is going with the word no, instead of thinking, I have to say no, which is fixed, the problem's still in the air, the energy's still there. What if instead you change your language? So you hear the person. I get that you want me to do the data. I get that. Unfortunately, I'm not available at this time to do that. Do you have any ideas of anyone else that could help you with that? yeah so you're actually collaborating with that person as a team rather than just going no I can't help you mm. right yeah and then so true like, it's not gone anywhere so instead of being like no, no no I can't do it or because again we hear our own words so if you say to yourself no I can't do it oh if you're a perfectionist that don't feel good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no I can't it doesn't matter what it is remember our brains don't see the literal realm they mm. see what it means. And if you're saying, no, I can't, that mm. adrenaline pump is going to start coming up, right? Yeah. So instead, you're changing your language and going, I get that you want me to do another after school club. I'm already doing one. And I appreciate that the kids need an after school teacher. Do you have any suggestions of anyone else that could do it? And you might bat this conversation back and forth. But you, if you, that is your guideline and boundary, you need to stick to it. Mm. And we all know that if one of the best ways to communicate with someone who's disagreeing is just to keep repeating yourself, mm. right? Just keep repeating yourself. Right? Yeah. And eventually they'll wear down and go, do you know what? I'll ask someone else. Yeah. And as soon as you start saying no to things, people don't bother asking you anymore because they know you're going to say no, mm. but it's the language you use rather than the concept of the word no. And sure, there is self-worth under that, but that will grow as you start to realize you're able to do it. Self-esteem will start to grow because you have this space for yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think also we, again, going back to energy, when you're growing up, the word no is a bad thing. Like mm. the word no is not getting what you want. So your parents go, no, you can't have that. Kind of makes you want it more. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah. also you feel like you know so you've got this energy within you that's sitting with you and what we want to do is give that energy back like let the conversation flow mm. and find a solution that doesn't involve you giving up more time if someone says oh can you get that to me by the end of today unfortunately i can't get it to the end of the day if you want it from me it's going to have to be next week mm. you've still agreed to do it but you've done it according to your guidelines not according to when they need it yeah yeah again very powerful very very powerful and it's almost how you do it rather than just what you do it's not just saying no it's how you say no and how you communicate that yeah awesome awesome so another thing um that i think is a very powerful topic to talk about is sort of what we can do for each other because like in that situation if those two members of staff we're also thinking about what they can help each other or how they can help each other out. And just as a school and a, a, as our cultures, I guess we're starting to move on to of supporting each other and helping each other out. And I say this quite a lot to my team is it's very tempting that, you know, myself, I remember most of my classrooms, we had parallel rooms. So um, a lot of them had a corridor down the middle and you've got like a teacher who's almost opposite you sort of thing. And usually they're in your year group team or whatever, but I remember so often, it's such, such so tempting. You had a really tough day. You walk out and you just dump it all onto someone else. Don't even say hello. You just go, guess what's happened? Guess what this parent has done on the playground? Guess what this child said to me? Guess what this email said? And you just verbal diarrhea out. And it's now on to someone else, right? And what I always try and encourage my clients to do is sort of just check in with other people and just say, right, where's your capacity at right now? You know, I've got this thing that's sort of burning a hole in my pocket sort of thing. I need to share um do you have the space to take that on can I share that with you and I think that's just one small example of what I'm trying to say you know if we could do little things like that for each other that would really really help us sort of it would help everyone because it will be reciprocated by others hopefully that's sort of us talking about culture isn't it and building that but what can we do for each other because we we often on this podcast we talk about what we can do for ourselves which is what it's all about it's about rewriting your own well-being but i think it's important to talk about how we can support others to do that thing so for example in that situation you know thinking about what the person asking of of the teacher could do that's a really important thing we don't talk about it enough on this podcast so i thought you know you're the perfect person to ask if we want to support each other better as teachers what are some of the things that we could maybe do to, for our colleagues to help them? So the balance strategy itself works internally, but also externally. So the mm. balance strategy both works for yourself in terms of calming situation, but it also works outside. So if you take a breath, get awareness, listen to each other, and mm. um, you align the next step together, cheer each other on, yeah. and then evolve as a culture. So when we're looking at helping each other you cannot save anyone mm. right it's impossible i used to go around trying to save people all the time it's exhausting <laughs> it's so tiring <laughs> and then you get more and more irritated because you're not seeing yourself mm. so there is no element of saving anyone you cannot save your colleagues you can inspire them mm. you can inspire them by showing up or leaving work at a reasonable time you can inspire them by actually having a break right you can actually and this it goes back to leaders as well like lead by example there are so many teachers that come to me going oh my mentor when I was an NQT told me that I had to work all the hours of every single day 
in order to be a good teacher. Mm. And I literally want to put my head in my hands, go, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, because that's everything, is everything I'm fighting against mm. in terms of don't pass that down, right? Um, for me personally, I'm looking at, you know, why don't we teach a lot of this stuff when people are going through their PGCE and they're oh, yeah. going like, why are we not explaining to them that they have to achieve all these targets all the time? When are we actually going, okay, what type of teacher? And maybe, maybe it does happen. I don't know. Obviously things develop and change all the time mm-hmm. and it is changing in the world, which is fantastic. But why are we not, when NQTs are coming through, going, right, first things first, when are you choosing to work? What kind mm-hmm. of teacher do you want to be? Why are you here? Right? Yeah. We don't really get them to find out who they are. We just go, right, you need to get all of this done. Go. <laughs> yeah. And then chuck them in the classroom, right? It's time to go. Yeah. yeah. And I get that it's because, you know, there is a shortage. Like we're panicking. Everyone's stressed out. But you, in order for change to happen, someone has to say no. Someone mm. has to go, I'm going to do it differently. Right. Every great entrepreneur out there sort of went, oh, you know, we wouldn't have mobile phones if someone didn't go, why do we need a landline? I want to go out and talk to someone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like we wouldn't have text messages if people didn't want to save time. Right? Yeah. Like we wouldn't have audios. Again, you wouldn't have audios unless there was a problem that text messages, you know, I was that person. I don't want to text. I'd rather call because... Like, and I audio everyone because I'm yeah. like, he's just, so, I'm a talker. I don't want to text. My thumbs hurt. Right. Yeah. So someone had to go, I'm not going to text. Yet when I was at school, I remember my brother was ridiculous. He could like, literally text with one thumb, not even looking at the message and spell it all correctly. <laughs> I was like, how? How are you doing that? Um, so it was a cool thing to do. It was very, but I don't want to do that. So you have to step away and inspire others by choosing differently because when they start to see that you have a life mm. and that actually you're still a great teacher you're still getting results but you're not exhausted and stressed people are going to start to mimic what you do mm. so you can't save anyone you can't go to the classroom opposite and go how was your day tell me all about it offload mm. yourself right yeah, yeah. <laughs> because all you're doing is adding if you've got capacity however which is what you're saying charlie in terms of capacity Brené Brown talks about this and I love this. She does this with her husband. So they have like a hundred percent agreement. I don't know if you've ever heard this. No. She was on, on a podcast with uh, an interview I was watching on, I think it was YouTube, um, where she was chatting with Tim Ferriss. And she said, what she does is with her husband, they get home at the end of the day and they use the hundred percent rule. So they'll go in and she'll go, I've got 80. And he'll turn around and go, I've got 80. And they go, cool. We're both good. No worries. We're over a hundred. Fine. If, um, and they'll, they'll do things as they do. Now, if she walked home and went, I've got 80, but he came and went, go, I've got 20. They're still at a hundred, but he might need a little bit of extra support. So she'll do a bit more. I love that. Yeah. Um, vice versa, same rule. And if they both come in and they both go, well, I've got 20, they go, right. We need a family day. We need space. We need time to refresh. What are we going to do? So they'd have a meeting around the table and they'd look at why do they both feel like they're in 20? They don't have 100%. Mm. So how can they show up for their children? How can they show up for their work? If Because they're a partnership, right? Mm. And in a school, you're a team. So if you have another teacher that's going to go in, you know what, I've got 10, like I'm absolutely exhausted, check in with them, right? Sure, in that position, you might say to them, look, do you know what? 
I'm on top of everything. I feel good. And I, it's not yeah. to rub it in their face, but I used to go, <laughs> right now, I'm in a position I can help. In which case, how can I help you? Yeah. But if you're both at that low level, check in. You might go, right, what do we need? Like you might actually need to support each other and say, what do we need in this moment? So it could be that they've had a day and a parent's snapped at them or said something and they're like, oh, and you might go to them, do you know what? Talk to me. Mm. Let it out. Right. And you just you you just see and hear them in that moment because the challenging element with parents is that you don't get seen and heard. Mm. Usually a parent just screams and shouts at you, yeah. tells you that you're useless and all this stuff, which is all a load of rubbish. They they weren't there, they don't know. They're just coming from that behavior, trying to protect their child mm. and their perception. So they're in fight mode and you're in a position just taking all of that fight and all of that negative energy. And it's about going, well, I need to offload this because it's all in my head. Can I just, you know, go and read some cards that I've got from children in the past? Or can I revisit things? Maybe just get some space for myself tonight. Or do I need to go up to someone and have a chat and actually get them to, you know, boost me up a little bit? Mm-hmm. In terms of community, I think that's what you're saying about culture and in Mm. schools. For me, schools have turned into businesses, but like corporate businesses. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. And it's it's lost that sense of community and that sense of support. And I think that's where we need to check in. And it it comes from everyone. There was a it was actually at your event, Charlie. Um, (laughs) I can't remember his name. He was talking about hierarchy and not having level um andrew cowley talk was it the sideways in sideways yeah 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 and i think that's the thing it's you know you notice simon sinek talks about this and speaks about how leaders show up and instead of saying right this is what we're going to do a leader speaks last Mm -hmm. so it would be going around and saying uh walking around the school now a leader still needs support you need to make sure you've got your network too but do you go into your teacher's classroom and genuinely ask how they are How's your day today? Mm. And there was a, he was talking about a coffee shop owner um, and he went in and this coffee shop customer person that I had, uh, he went in as customer and he served him and he was super friendly and he was like, you know, bubbly. And he went, do you love your job? Because obviously Simon Sinek, he works with corporates and yeah. helping them in terms of leadership and things like that. And he went in and he said, oh, you know, do you love your job? Because obviously he's curious about why he's just so good at selling because it's just coffee, but he was so mm. good at it. He went, do you know what? Every morning my manager walks in, checks in with me and says, how am I? And I, and I chat to him and I feel very open and things like that. And he said, I also work in another coffee shop um, on these other two, two days and I'm not the same. Mm. And you think it's exactly that. If you do not feel seen and heard, either by yourself or others, then you get to check in and go, oh, right, is this the place for me? Mm. So yes, in schools, we do need to be supporting each other. But remember, you can't save anyone. You can see and hear them. You can witness them. You can stand close to them so they know they're not alone because teaching is isolating. Yeah. Um, But you're not there to go, let me do the work for you. Mm. Right. You're there to inspire them. And they might go, oh, you know what? I just feel overwhelmed my workload. What do you do? Well, do you know what I do is I do the, so I call it defer, delegate, dismiss. Um, yeah, undo. love that. So 
you can choose. And this is what I do. It might be the Eisenhower technique, important, mm. urgent, you know, what, whatever connects, time blocking, whatever it is, you share, right? Mm. Share what you do. Don't do it for them. Don't sit with them like they're doing the homework and go through. You wouldn't do that to a child. You wouldn't speed, spoon feed them. Yeah. Go, right, math equation. Let me just do it for you, right? You would sit there and you'd be curious and you'd ask questions and you'd give them a little hint here and there. But it's up to them to get that critical mindset. Mm. And that's what you're doing with your colleagues. You're inspiring because you found a way that works. And also, you know, don't give them more. Mm. you know if you've got colleagues and you're giving them unnecessary work stop it (laughs) just like stop because an audit yeah yeah like don't do it like look at it and actually evaluate for yourself is it relevant right or am I just ticking a box and passing it down for the sake of it yeah or passing it over if it's someone else so I think there's a lot you can do in schools but ultimately Yes, it's about being able to see and hear people, but not do extra yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. We have really, really good advice there. Absolutely incredible. Annabelle, this has been such a good chat. We could probably keep going for hours. We really, really could. <laughs> definitely, definitely a part two needed. I say this in most of my conversations. There's, there's always a part two needed to these things. Um, no, that's brilliant. Honestly, so, so good. Can you tell everyone a little bit more about where they can find you, how they can work with you, any exciting projects that you're working on at the moment? Tell us a little bit more about um, Work Balance for Teachers. Uh, yes. So you can find us uh, on Instagram, uh, Teachers Work Life Balance Coach. Um, we've also www.worklifebalanceforteachers.com um, balance for teachers on facebook as well and twitter and um, so you can search balance for teachers and you'll find just drop me a message um, if you're curious about what we do as i mentioned we do a five-day free challenge um, where we go through the balance strategy step by step completely complimentary you can come on you can join it um, and we just each and every day do a 15-minute task and you, we work through balance um, so by the end, Monday to Friday, you've got the strategy and you can start applying it. Um, but yeah, so just, you know, drop me a message, say hi, feel free to follow us and see if any of our strategies work for you. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, 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 yeah.